Hello and welcome to the week four edition of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and joining me via Skype this week is your favourite co-host, Marcus Henson. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. How's your week been? It's not been too bad, thanks. Good, good. Now, as most of you know, week four meant the International Series match at Wembley Stadium as we welcome the Minnesota Vikings and Pittsburgh Steelers to these fair shores. Between us at Ballhawks Nest, we were able to cover the game and the big fan event in Regent Street, but more about that later. The Vikings themselves stayed and trained at the Grove Country Estate in Watford, and I would like to say thank you to Ryan Collins for finding out their location for me. Luckily, I was off last week and managed to take a trip up to the Grove, where I exchanged pleasantries with the Vikings head coach Leslie Frazier, and I also managed to get a few words and an autograph from the Viking centre John Sullivan. John informed me that they flew out Monday night and arrived Tuesday morning. I also heard that the Sealers did not arrive until Friday. With this in mind, Marcus, do you think that this had an impact on the level of performance both teams were able to provide? And if so, what impact? I don't know. I mean, first going into the match, I thought it was it was the Vikings to absolutely run away with because in my mind, it's been trying to test it since they started this international series that do you give yourself a short weekend or all week or what do you do about it? I still think that surely coming over early gives you the best advantage to try and get. I mean, they came up Monday. I mean, the guys were literally Tuesday, uh, Monday morning. They came up a plane. They were straight and working with the kids in, in London. They were doing volunteer-based sort of charity work. And it was really nice to see the... The NFL taking, not just we're here for a game, we're here to leave something, like some kind of, um, not quite uh, like legacy, but I'm trying to think on those lines. Trying to leave a lasting impression maybe on the Perfect, the younger yeah. fans, yeah, so get them interested in the game, get get some new fans on board, things like that. Perfect, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. For some reason, the only thing that came in my head was Olympic legacy, sort of, that sort of thing, but that wasn't, not quite that scale, hopefully, one day, but not quite that scale now. But... Then Steelers coming in Friday morning, you're sitting there going, you're giving yourself Friday morning to, uh, like, immaculate to our sort of British time zone and stuff like that. you got Saturday for your last sort of, which would have been unpadded training as well, and then Sunday's game day. Not to mention just, the uh, the fan event, which we'll come on to in just a second, but with all the appearances, like you say, coming in Friday, it didn't really seem to leave them much time. No, it, I honestly thought they're going to come, they're going to get tired. I thought fourth quarter, this is, what I, this is what I love about the fact that you can't really predict these things, is that fourth quarter I thought Pittsburgh would be completely out of it, but I don't know if anyone saw it or anyone there at the game. As you know, that the fourth, sort of fourth quarter comeback by Pittsburgh, you would not have fought it. I mean, they looked fresh, they looked for it. Uh, I mean, both teams looked shaky in the first half. I mean, I don't know if that was just because playing at a different stadium or, or or what it was. Marcus, you were at the game for us this time. What was the experience like and how were the fans during the game? It has to be one of the best Wembley games they've had for a long, long time. Um, last year, of course, we had the Rams, uh, Patriots, and it seemed to it was lost in the luster. I mean, there was a lot of Patriot fans there. And when it became... Uh, Patriot drubbing, you know, you, you could take uh, take sense in that that it was almost like a, a second home for them. But a couple of years, you know, I remember the the Chicago Bears, 49ers, that had a great atmosphere too because there were so many 
Bears and so many 49ers fans due because of their legacy in the league. And they, that they was a great atmosphere from both sides. So that was um, that was two separate games you're mentioning there, isn't it? Because oh, yeah, the Bears sorry, played games, yeah. the Bears played Tampa Bay, did they not? If memory serves, and the 49ers had the Broncos. That is right. Yes. Oh god, I got that completely mixed up there. You're right. Um, the two games, yeah. When Chicago and the 49ers came over in their separate games, those two really. It's. I think it's when you get a good section. It's like, I'm unfortunately I didn't get to go to the first year with the Miami Dolphins, but that apparently was another great atmosphere because. Miami have such a legacy that they've, they've managed to sort of create a community over here on this side of the pond. Um, and last night, the amount of Vikings were there, but counteracted with the amount of Steelers, you couldn't really say whose home game it was. It was it was really sort of balanced. You watched as people were waving the purple Vikings flags that everyone got on their seats. You know, a mixed then was the wash of, of yellow terrible towels. You know, it was, it was a brilliant sort of aspect of colour it was really fun everything got cheered you know there was enough Steelers fans there for everything so all the Steelers sort of touchdowns all the, the big yardage plays they got huge cheers and like whoops and the same with the Vikings um, I had actually it was quite great in front of me we had a Vikings family from Minneapolis oh fantastic um, yeah I mean uh, they, they live over here in London uh, they've lived over here in London for about 15 years now but um, they, they were saying there were, there was four of them all, all in the front row in front of us, and they were so into it. They had their full Vikings game day gear on, and they were just loving it. And this was the first one they've been to, the first Wembley game, so we were telling them how we've been to the others. It really gives you a sense of just the sort of camaraderie amongst all fans that followed the NFL. As a it's random, so- Marcus, sorry, as a random question, that family of four, they didn't yep. have two young blonde-headed lads, did they? No, no, this oh, okay. was two young, long-headed girls. Oh, OK, because I was wondering, wouldn't it have been funny if it had been the same kids that we'd seen that were just owning the uh, the AstroTurf on the fan <laughs> event? <laughs> but, yeah, no, so the no. game itself was obviously lived up to expectation then, and, and how great was it to see Adrian all day Peterson live? It is scary how he cuts. I mean, where we were sat, especially the second touchdown, where the entire line shifted, um, and he literally... He stands in motion for about a split second as he makes the cut, deciding which way he's going to go. And it was it's, it's quite astonishing to see the, the physicality and the athleticism so that were he you, possess. Were you behind? Because I know you were in the end zone seating. Yeah, so we were, we were, were you in front of zone, one of his yeah. touchdowns or were you watching him go the other way? Uh, we watched the cut, yeah. You could see that he was trailing, trailing across uh, what would be his left and then the massive cut to his right to just a massive empty hole. And then just um, ran away from you to the other end zone. Oh no, this was the second one, sorry. This is the second one down on about the eight-yard line. Oh, That's right, okay. Complete shift in the line, and he just waited for his line to, to shift them all left, and he just cut right, empty hole. The one that was actually sort of towards the 40-yard line, we managed to watch him, unfortunately, run the other way from us on that one. Um, but you could see, again, from, from that aspect... You could see just how how much there was the bodies in front of him, and then suddenly he's managed to find a way out of it. It's, Adrian Peterson really does live up to to the expectation from TV to live. Fantastic. How have you found your London experience? It's been great. You know, the people of London, or um, you know, have showed have welcomed us and uh, been great to us. I've had a wonderful time. Um, you know, just 
just being around London and Walford, uh, it's beautiful. Um, what about the stadium, the atmosphere today? Yeah, it was, um, man, it was electric, you know, just coming out that tunnel, um, you know, and just looking out and seeing that purple and yellow, it was a good mix. I think we kind of trumped them a little bit with the purple going um, out there, but it was full of energy, you know, uh, it felt like a home game. On Saturday at the fan event, it was my pleasure to be joined by Mark Taylor, our producer and host of the Garbage Pod, along with Aylesbury Vale Spartan, Carl Godfrey. The atmosphere up and down Regent Street was electric and it was great to see the NFL's Rush 60 programme there getting the kids involved in some drills. There was also a small pitch area courtesy of the NFL Touchdown Tour where we saw some amazing catches and throws from some young kids. Definitely stars of the future for sure. Having Carl there was great as myself and Mark could just get him to do all the activities and save our old joints. Check out some of our audio highlights from the day's events in Regent Street. So, I am Adri Borhawk Mallows and we are here at the NFL Regent Street block party. We've just had the privilege of having our photos taken with the Lombardi Trophy as part of the NFL Touchdown Tour, which will be going across the country between now and the next International Series game. You can find the details on our website with a link to all the dates where you can go and uh, have your picture also taken with the Lombardi Trophy. If you're a Bills fan like me, I strongly recommend it because it's probably the only time you'll get anywhere near that trophy. So, um, I'm also here with uh, Carl, who plays for the Ellsbury Bell Spartans, and uh, it's his first NFL fan experience today. How are you feeling today, buddy? Good, man. Feeling great. Yeah, what, what's particularly caught your eye so far? Pretty much everything, mate. You know, I mean everything. You name it, all the atmosphere. It's one, of, it's one in a kind, one in a million. And how does it feel to relive the footsteps of the great Mr. Ray Lewis having been that close to the Lombardi Trophy? It was absolutely over the moon, mate. There's no words that can describe it. Excellent. I also have with me Mark Taylor, also known as my producer, um, who's come with us on this fan experience today. So, Mr. Taylor, how are you going, sir? Absolutely fine, fella. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, doing very well. And uh, how did you feel having your picture taken with the Lombardi Trophy? Well, I had to do my thing for the Dolphins because, you know, it's been a few years since we've had our hands on it. Yeah, this is true. Well, at least you've actually had your hands on it, unlike us, Bill. So, um, we're now just going to take a quick stroll up Regent Street and uh, soak in some of the rest of the atmosphere of the NFL block party. Cool. And uh, as always with the NFL fan events here in the UK, we have shirts from pretty much every different team represented. I've even seen a few fellow Bills fans here today. Seen a few Eli Manning shirts as well. Yeah, should we stop here and let, so Carl can have a go at the old field goals? Yeah, that would be cool. Still just uh, anyway. basking some ambience. Gonna be. <laughs> Let's see in the queue. It's not that long, is it? No, it's not. It doesn't look too long. So uh, let them take a picture and then step across without getting in the way of the official cameras. <laughs> see a shirt I've just seen. Oh well, yeah, Flacco. <laughs> nice. It's good. It's so good. funny if he kicks it and it goes through the back sheet. Yeah, <laughs> I would laugh. We've found a new position for him on the team then, if that happens. <laughs> I'll let Coach know. Um, I know we don't need one yet, but we've got a kicker. <laughs> he won't be too happy because Coach wants to be kicker himself. 
Let's see all the dolphin shirts I have seen lately. They're all Reggie Bush ones. For <laughs> well, yeah, that's a bit disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I went with somebody who finished at the team and retired, and he's also a tailor, so... Yeah, that's loyalty. <laughs> I think... Uh, speak of the devil. <laughs> and there's another Bush that's shirt. about three <laughs> Reggie Bush shirts I've seen in about four minutes, I think. But very impressed. Steeler Nation, terrible towers everywhere. Lots of Steelers fans, quite a few Vikings fans. Yes. Didn't think there was as many uh, Vikings fans. Definitely vocally there isn't as many Vikings fans. No, but there's certainly a, a good presence. There's lots of uh, white and purple there's a shirts lot of purple everywhere. Shirts about, yeah. yeah. A lot of Peterson love everywhere. Yeah, everyone loves a bit of orange peanut. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> For those who aren't sure of that reference, there is a NFL soundbites clip that's been uh, dubbed and uh, they put in their own take on what they're actually saying and again, something we will put another link up. We've had it on the show before, but we will put that up again, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, the atmosphere is, is, is quite electric. Uh, I've just seen this uh, Viking fan who uh, looks remarkably like Hulk Hogan. Ah, yes, so yeah, I see, yeah. <laughs> Go Hulk. <laughs> Didn't realise he was over here today. <laughs> but certainly, yeah, the atmosphere here is buzzing. It, Very it carnival like. It was good to see the throw and catch uh, earlier at where the uh, Lombardi trophy stand was because to see some of these young kids, and some of them are young and, and very good. Um, you know, this next generation of, of, uh, of fans and players coming through. Yeah, very nice touch to have uh, a throw and catch session alongside the touchdown tour. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, there was a couple of young lads, the... Uh, the brothers, I think, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, definitely brothers, the, uh, the Viking twins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were very good. And I wouldn't have said they were more than, what, eight or nine years they old? They didn't look that old, no. So. They were really, really good. We need to try and find them for the Spartans, I think, at some <laughs> point. But, uh, yeah, that, I mean, when they threw the ball, it was straight as a die. It really was. Beautiful to see. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, next generation starts hopefully coming through. That's right. And as we've seen in the draft this year, you don't have to be American to be drafted to an NFL team. This is very, very true. Um, I mean, it's, it's always been that way. When, when the NFL Europe used to be, be there, um, I mean, some of these guys were ex-rugby players that were coming through. Uh, one that springs to mind was uh, Gavin Hastings. He used to play for the... Scottish Claymores. Yes. Uh, and he's also on the National Scotland uh, Rugby Union team. He was, yes. So, yeah, you can get through uh, without being, you know, an American. Um, there were some other players that uh, uh, were quite big. Um, I can't remember where he plays for now. He's a UK based team. Um, there used to be a, a, a strong man, a world's strongest man, a guy called Jeff Capes. Um, his son, uh, plays for a, a, an English uh, American Football League, um, so he's pretty good. As a sport, it's definitely growing in this country. I mean, certainly it's always up... been there, always been there, but um, not to this scale, I don't think. No, pretty much a lot. Uh, most unis now, I believe, have a team. Uh, you have the Adult Full Contact League, the Flag League's growing every year. Um, this year, we had about 18 teams, I think, down south alone. 
uh, next year I understand there's scheduled to be a lot more teams so as a sport it's really great to see how it is growing in this country. Yeah, it's, it's, well it's different than any other sport, I mean you get the razzmatazz that goes along with the actual game which adds to it and it is typically a family sport, you can take your kids along and you can just have a day out of it, it's, it's an amazing game. Absolutely. Trying to see where Carl is now, honestly. Oh, he's just there. Oh, yeah, so he is. He's just, just, he's still just in the nearest line. But you've got everything here that you can uh, practice, really, all, all different types of uh, plays that you can uh, uh, have a practice at, uh, uh, different challenges and things. Um, it, it's really good fun. Yeah, so we've got the field goal challenge here. I know I saw there was a catch practice earlier on a bouncy castle, which gutted uh, the, my left ankle's a little bit suspect, otherwise I'd have been all over that. And uh, I don't want to get on coach's bad side by turning my ankle again. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, that's the last thing you want to do. But hopefully we can uh, tempt Carl into doing it. Yeah, I think I think he'd be up for it. I think he's got the buzz now. Um, I don't think he quite knew what to expect when he got here, but. I think he's actually taking everything on board and he's up for everything. Yeah, so he could be like our, our guinea pig. We can throw him into everything and, and see what happens. Yeah, definitely. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he seems to be um, up for the the next uh, the event, the um, the fan day at uh, oh, the Trafalgar fan rally at Trafalgar yeah, Square. Yes, yeah. yeah. Should be a good day out. That's always. A big event, they have the big stage, it's shown on the different screens as well. Yeah. They also have an autograph tent, which I think is particularly looking forward to. They have NFL alumni in there that you can get autographs with, that current players and things like that. One thing so. I don't have here is an autograph tent as such. No, I think logistically and, and how close it is to the game maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But certainly logistically it's a bit difficult just on one street, isn't it really? Yeah, it's, it's a bit different. I didn't know how they were going to actually deal with this. Um, because when you said it was uh, it, at this end, I thought you meant it was going to be at Regent's Park, which would have been a good event. Um, to actually shut off, virtually, well, it is the entire Regent Street. Um, it's quite an amazing event to be just standing here in the middle of Regent Street for an event like this. Yeah, normally we wouldn't be able to stand like this in the middle of Regent Street, look up and down and, and not have to keep dodging the London buses. No, this is true. I mean, yeah, they've really pulled out the stops for this, I think. Yeah. Another great job by the NFL UK, we have to say. It was tougher than climbing Everest. Getting a prediction for tomorrow's game, I've asked everyone. Not one person's put their neck on the line and told me who's going to win and why. Who do you think is going to win? Minnesota. Yeah. Vikings. Yeah. Who, who do you think is going to win? Me. Yeah. It says Vikings as well. You think Vikings? All right. Everybody for the Steelers. One, two, three. For the Vikings, one, two, three. Try it one more time. One more time. This is the last pitch because I'm gonna put all of my I'm gonna bet everything behind. Put everything behind. For the Steelers. For the Vikings. You go with the crowd? You're going Vikings? I'm going with the crowd. Alright, so it's the Minnesota Vikings. It's the Minnesota Vikings with the honey. Please give it up for the honey Jones. I'm here with one of the NFL fans, Stephen. Um, nice to meet you. How have you found the day, Stephen? 
Um, really good, very exciting, lots of good events, and it's all free, so that's a bonus. Absolutely. Is this the first international game you've been to? Yes, yes it is. First ever NFL game. Yeah. Oh really? So this yeah. is your first fan experience? Yes. <laughs> well, but who, how did you get this? Um, my wonderful brother here bought me the tickets as a present, so I uh, thought we'd come and soak a whole weekend in and uh, make sure we make the most of the whole event. Oh, fantastic. So Steelers fans then from the... Uh, yeah. Steelers yeah, yeah. fans. Yeah. How long have you been Steelers fans for? I've followed NFL for a little a good while, but um, I was going to recently decide if I'm going to follow Steelers. No, no major reason, I just enjoy watching them, so... Oh, fair enough. And whereabouts have you gents travelled from today? I've got from Manchester City, which lives just outside London. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so it's not travel very far then, have you? Not far, just North Hertfordshire, um, but Manchester originally. I was a, a Cowboys fan because my wife was born in Dallas, but I've oh, uh, right, okay. since since uh, tra since transferred. <laughs> That's all Family man, loyalty. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, definitely looking forward to it tomorrow. It should be good. Yeah, really excellent. Good. Thank you very much. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got gun, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, Key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick go. We now move on to the weekly awards. So our offensive and defensive impact. Players. AKA. And Mr. Awards. This week, should we start with the Mr. Award? Marcus, who is your runner-up for this week's award? Right, my runner-up this week, um, and you're going to love this, Adri, is, because we mentioned them before, Kiko Alonso, linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Kiko. Kiko's rolling. You should see how Twitter's blown up this week with Kiko Alonso stuff. It's fantastic. I think he's probably one of the best defensive picks you've made from the draft in a long time. I mean... This guy, he's, he's impacted the team, he's made differences, and just the continuation of plays. That last interception out of his two, that's two interceptions for a linebacker on Sunday, um, the way he just dived out, he threw his body on the line, made a perfect catch um, from that, and it's, it's stuff like that which you can't train to someone to go the 110%, they have to do it themselves. Instincts. For me, he is, he's going to be probably a, a great legacy down in, in Buffalo if you can hold on to him and he, he can keep healthy. Now, potentially, I've got a funny feeling we're going to have gone vice versa on this awards and um, <sighs> laugh if my runner-up now is your weekly winner. But my runner-up this week, I've gone with Patrick Peterson from the Arizona Cardinals. No, no, no. Ah, brilliant. Okay, well, he came up with two interceptions towards the end of the game. Managed to ice the game. Also had two tackles. But just, obviously, the pressure they put on Glennon really, really helped. But you've got to be in a position to make the plays. And he really did make the quarterback look like the rookie that he is with the two picks he had. I mean, yeah, you've got to give it to the um, to the rookie that he came in. He was given the nod. I mean, you're giving the nod in week four. I mean, that's really saying something. So, um, I think now we're getting to a point where, really, Tampa Bay really don't know what they're doing I mean this Glennon really needs to be if you're going to put him as number one sat down he needs to you've got to give him every every advantage you can to just make him into the player you want him to be yeah definitely so how about the big one your defensive impact player is Richard Sherman cornerback for Seattle Seahawks 
Oh yeah, great choice actually. Great choice. Now the reason I did this was basically because now I was there in Wembley, and the, luckily what they do is on the uh, the screen uh, on the massive um, giant screens they put on the scores going on around the league. And at one point we had Houston with twenty points to three up. Yeah, they were indeed. And it looked like Seattle were completely out of it, and it had to be that the defense turned it around. Sharp was running all over them in the first half. They they got it together second half, and it was this Richard Sherman pick that he returned for a touchdown, really sort of turned that game and allowed them to come back into it, get into overtime and win it. And I think that made such an impact that the whole, I mean, to be fair, I'd like to give it for the entire defense, but I think that was the tipping point, the the, the six points on the board there for, for Sherman's touchdown. So yeah. that's why I think when he does what he does so well as that, you yeah. have to, have to recognise it. It helped as well that the defensive line just started managing to flush Sharp out of the pocket as well quite a lot, didn't they? So you found he was scrambling. I think on that particular interception, it was one where he'd gone to roll out and just met a face full of the defender and just tried to chuck it away or chuck it to the nearest receiver, just thrown it up for Sherman to just pick off and waltz into the end zone. I say waltz in, but it was like about 50 yards out, but it was he, he literally waltzed in. He, he could have walked easy. in. There was no way they were going to catch him. I mean... That game itself, that was it was beautifully sort of defensive in its nature and sort of ground itself out. Um, anyone who wants to just try and see some highlights, see what happened to JJ Watt as he took um, the full pelt of a, a block to the face and watch what happens to his nose. Yeah, absolutely explains. And the way that he plays on throughout all of this. I mean, we saw this. We talked about this, me and you, Adrian, didn't we? Last year at the uh, the Pro Bowl. Yes, we did. Yeah. Where the guy literally, what did he, he split his finger open, didn't he? Wasn't it that yeah, one? Yeah, what split his finger open in the Pro Bowl, yeah. And then just carried on. Yeah. Tape, tape up, carry on. This time, what he does is uh, the the block comes in and he, it catches his, his nose through through the, the face guard and just split his nose open. It, the blood that's just rushing down his face and he just carries on playing. It's um, it's quite incredible to see these sort of people. I mean, half the, half the team... The defensive side on both sides of the ball, Houston and Seattle, are could have been up for an award this week, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the way that Seattle kept Houston to 20 points after they'd got that 17-point lead and just shut exactly. them out, even in overtime as well. I mean, you look to what actually happened. I mean, even the Houston side of the ball, what, especially Russell Wilson, what he had to do to get out of some of the situations. I mean, oh, any yeah. other quarterback who isn't as elusive as him wouldn't have had stood a chance. I mean, that goes to, to, to his athleticism, his merit, but it was it was one of those those games that, watching it back, you wish you could have been there as well. No worries, yeah. So we'll move on now, because otherwise we could talk about defence between <laughs> us forever and a day. But uh, <laughs> let's move on to my defensive impact player. And there's no surprise for you, I'm sure, it is Kiko Alonso. <laughs> I actually put him as my winner this week. I think it's about time, as you say, we've talked about him before on the show, seeing that whenever a big play was needed on Sunday, he made it. It was against the Ravens, so it was a big game as well. Being a rookie, really stood up to the challenge. In total, he had five tackles, but it was those two interceptions, as we mentioned before, that really sort of stood him out, including the diving effort for the game-winning pick. If you get a chance to dig it out, then go and have a look at it. Watch some highlights on that Ravens game and just see, as we said earlier, the instinct and the athleticism in getting the diving interception. Hope he keeps up the great work. 
because he's really holding our defence together at the moment. So congratulations to Kiko Alonso and Richard Sherman for winning this week's Mr. Award. So now we move on to the <laughs> award and who was your runner-up, Marcus? My runner-up this week, um, I want to give him recognition just because it surprised me as much as anything what he's done to the team since he's come in. And that is Brian Hoyer, quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Ah, uh, you're jumping on the Hoyer bandwagon. Sunshine will be happy. Well, I just liked what he's doing. I mean, there seems to be a conviction now in, in, in Cleveland that, you know, the wooden spoon isn't going to be landing on their on their plate anytime soon because the, the defense looks really good. I mean, you've got the likes of Buster Scrine and people are already starting talking about Hayden Island. Really? Uh, especially the, oh yes, absolutely. The guys at NFL Network were were pretty much jumping on that bandwagon. Sort of um, Hayden Island, you know. Forget Revis with a defense like that, and as you said, I mean. Cincinnati have got great offense. To be fair, it, it's, it's not a say for a, a Green Bay offense, but it should be capable of putting a couple of points on the board. When you hold them down, that sort of just like I mean, come on, six points, Bengals. I mean, they shut out AJ Green. I think he had about four catches for about fifty yards on the day. That was it. I mean, he was absolutely just left nothing to do. Um, but Hoyer came on the other side. He knows what he's got to do. He's just got to control the offense. They've lost. Richardson now, so you know they're they're down on that. They've managed to pick up McGahey. Whedon's out. You're you're asked to, to step up to this role, and damn, the guy's doing well, and he's really stepping up. Yeah. So, uh, that, that I think he needs recognition about that. So that's why I've given him the second place this week on the uh, the Megatron. Good work. Yeah. So he won it last week from me, and he's got the runner up from you this week. So I'm sure he's going to be very happy. We'll make sure he uh, gets recognition for that. This week, my runner-up is Drew Brees. I mean, last night, what a great game. Completing 30 of 39 passes, 413 yards, four touchdowns. It's in the Superdome. You know what you're getting with Drew Brees there. Let's face it, if Drew Brees wasn't there, that offense would be very, very mediocre despite the talent they have. He's oh, gone, yeah, oh, yeah. gone past 400 passing yards in the game for the 10th time in his career. Just there's not enough superlatives, is there, to talk to talk about Drew Brees? How about this, Saints four and oh. I mean, half of that is on his back. In fact, I'd say most of it is on his back. I mean, the way he managed to come in, I mean, the defense have managed to shake off the the blues of last year. They've got Sean yeah. Payton back. What do you? What else do you need? I know he's a predominantly offense-minded coach, but when he's on the sideline. It just shows you the impact he has on every single player. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I feel the Saints need Drew Brees, and Drew Brees needs the Saints, really. I mean, they, they are like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't ask me it. Definitely. Uh, that's the first one that came in my head. Nice work. So, how about this week for your <laughs> award winner? My Megatron Award, the, the winner this week, has to go to Adrian Peterson. Running yeah. back Minnesota. Absolutely. We'll talk about him together because he's actually my winner this week as well. So I'll let you start off. Well, to be fair, just, I mean, 140 yards, two touchdowns, it's great stats. But for me, it was the way he managed to control the game. Minnesota went for a lot of time running the clock. At one point, they, they had nearly almost 
uh, one and a half times over possession. But it seemed to be that Adrian Peterson, just every time he touched the ball, the entire crowd stood on their feet waiting for him to pull out his magic. Yeah. And the fact is that he is got that factor that just makes you stand up and watch. Yeah, definitely. For me, it was um, the 60-yard touchdown run. That's what did it for me. The way he showed his speed to get through the gaps that appeared in front of him, to shake off a tackle and then, again, just burst out around the outside and just untouched then into the end zone after after it dodged the tackles. Yeah, I mean, the way he cuts live, there's something about his footwork. I mean, you would never have thought the damage that got done to that knee, I mean, which is great because it, it, it gives me faith on some people like Marcus Lattimore, who, who had such a bad injury himself. I mean, I, I feel that if you can do that after such reconstructive surgery and he hasn't lost a single pace on that run I mean the breakaway speed uh, it was just brilliant absolutely so congratulations to Adrian Peterson and Adrian Peterson for winning <laughs> this week's <laughs> award I'm eating burritos bigger than you it's time to go eat baby let's eat you got some hungry dogs over here apple orange orange hot potato I don't want no Hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him, he hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll grind these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. So we now move on to another new segment, which will pop up every now and then, and that is what grinds Marcus's gears. You know what really grinds my gears? So, with that in mind, Marcus, give me your rundown on what's grinding you from the first four weeks of football. aversion towards a London franchise. Now, anyone who saw the headlines in America, especially in the Pittsburgh region, would have seen um, the aversion towards uh, coming to England, said by Pittsburgh safety, Ryan Clark. Now, he went on Twitter, of course, because all athletes these days share all their most intimate thoughts on Twitter, saying that if there was an NFL franchise in London and he had to play for them, he would rather retire. This is coming on the back of, there's about three or four of them who have now come to Twitter to say that if there was ever an English franchise, they would quit and retire rather than actually come over here. Really? That's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we. to be fair, I know that the chance of an, an English franchise is, is slim to none. But what I feel that really the league could look to reinvest in is now that you've opened up the, the market again, why not looking to reset off something like NFL Europe? Now, it would have to take someone to do it smartly and, you know, efficiently, where not over and ex- over extending itself, that's what I want, overextending itself like it did uh, with the original Europe, where it just expanded out over the limited sort of potential, and of course that faded, that was a sort of flashback. Yeah, what about starting it off a bit like LFL? have to refer to that just because the way they go about starting off leagues start off with a small number of teams so they started off with four in Canada I think we've only got four in Australia haven't we as well so you start off with a small number of teams and then you can get talent from around the league to build those two teams that's still those four teams that's still 200 players yeah I mean think of the potential I mean you take four teams you take say um, let's think uh, a London uh, maybe Germany, yeah. big football fans in Germany, 
um, Italy, massive um, American football fans in Italy, and then you look at somewhere else like possibly somewhere like Poland or Austria, where there's another big, big American football following. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably I might sub out Italy to put in Holland. I think. I think you'd be surprised at how many Dutch fans there are out there, including a young gentleman I met on the at the fan rally on Saturday, who I hope is now listening to the podcast. Exactly. But I think that the way that players have pushing across, I mean, they are the ones who really are trying to... I mean, if you're going to try and sell the league and your players are turning around and saying, I would never go there, it's it, it just sets off the wrong tone. You've got to come on the right foot. I mean, think about the amount of players. How many people... I mean... I think the biggest one everyone knows about, um, or if you haven't heard about him, do try and Google about him. He's a guy called Kurt Warner. Now, back in the days when NFL Europe was uh, sort of about, this guy came out of college, no one gave him a chance. He came over here to Europe and he impressed. So much so that he managed to you know, come back home, uh, back to America. Did a bit of arena football, I think, before he managed to get his actual chance, but... That's right, yeah. yeah. Super Bowl winner with the, the Rams, nearly another Super Bowl winner with the Cardinals a couple of years later. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, cut, it shows you can't you say. That the Europe program worked. It just it stretched too far and ran out of money. Yeah, there's no doubt that soon he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, isn't he, Kurt Warner? I, I'd have to think he has to be at some point. Um, I don't know how we go around voting for the Hall of Fame, but I think his time will definitely come and he will be enshrined at some point. Yeah, definitely will. Awesome. That I can see that that's really grinded your gears this week. But now we <laughs> we must uh, move on. I can see we might have to allow a bit more time for what grinds Marcus's gears in future. You smiling? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. Yes. You sure? I think. So. Now you're thinking. First you smile, then you think. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is uh, it? No, not by now. No, it's no. not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. Uh, no. Make up your mind. No, no. Think, since you're thinking, now go on, think. No, is no. it fun? No, sir. No. No, sir. Absolutely not? Zero fun, sir. All right, listen up. I'm Coach Boone. I'm going to tell you all about how much fun you're going to have this season. We leave for camp, Gettysburg College, August 15th, 7.29 a.m. If you report at 7.30, you will not be playing football this season. You will be watching. You will wear a jacket, shirt, and tie. If you don't have one, buy one. Can't afford one, then borrow one from your old man. If you don't have an old man, then find a drunk, trade him for his. Because I can guarantee you there isn't a bum on the street that looks as raggedy and ridiculous as what I'm looking at right now. This is no democracy. It is a dictatorship. I am the law. If you survive camp, you will be on the team. And now it's time for... Bullhawk's Mailbag. Jamil! Jamil is here! We've had a number of questions in this week, but as always, we will get through them all for you. Our first question comes from young Wolfie O'Neill, who asks... One. After Monday Night Football and the Dolphins lost to New Orleans. Who is better in the AFC East, Dolphins or Patriots? Marcus, I'll let you have this one. It's Patriots, I think. Brilliant. Is that what you're going to give me? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm going to give you. My, uh, no, I, I feel, especially, Brady's sort of finding it. He's 
finding it. I mean, unfortunately, he's had um, a very, very inexperienced group of receivers who haven't always been on his his um, his pace, as well. And he's found it difficult to try and make plays. But yet, you see how they can still win games. What happens I mean, when you write the Patriots off, though? They come back and get to a Super Bowl. There's just well, something... This Patriots team get to a Super Bowl. Um, well, I think potentially they may, but I'm just saying that previous years, when people of pundits like us have written off the Patriots saying, ah, oh, they don't have this much talent on defence, they're making makeshift, you know, when they were putting the likes of Troy Brown in at cornerback and they're saying, oh... They can't do it. They're not going to make it. There's no way they can get there. And you think to yourself, Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. You've got an elite quarterback in Tom Brady, possibly the best quarterback to ever play the game. You can never write off people of that magnitude. No, no, you can't write off the Patriots. No, they find a way to win. Guaranteed, at the end of the day, every Sunday, Monday, whichever it is, they will find a way to win against the impossible odds. I mean, it's what they've done... Brady, I mean, he's a seventh rounder or sixth rounder. I cannot remember. Sixth round draft pick. Thank you. Every time I, every time I uh, try and say about Brady, you're the man with the knowledge. That's why. Well, yeah, um, nice one. But Brady, I mean, he he should have even looking at where he was, what he did. You wouldn't have put him here now, you know. You add the sort of ten years or so he's had in the league. You go back those ten years. He hasn't got hope. But yet, you look at him and what he's achieved. Like you said. He should be probably remembered as one or, if not, the greatest quarterback to play this game. Yeah, absolutely. And we're just going to have a, a quick look now before we move on to the next question. Some of the quarterbacks who were drafted ahead of Tom Brady in 2000. Chad Pennington. <sighs> Giovanni Carmazza. Who? Exactly. Uh, he was drafted by San Francisco at pick 18. Chris Redman. Drafted by the Baltimore Ravens in round three, pick 75. T. Martin from Tennessee, drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in round five. Mark Bolger, the only one that you would say had a reasonable career. Yeah. And Spurgon Wynn, drafted by Cleveland Browns. That silence says it all about the quality of quarterbacks that went before Tom Brady. And just sometimes the draft is brilliant. We love the drama of it. We love the glamour of it. But... Ultimately, until they get geared up, you don't know what's going to happen. Any given Sunday, baby. Any given Sunday. Yeah, we say it so much and it's so cliché, but it is so true. Let's move on because you need to fire through these to finish off this week. So, question two. With the Vulcans now at one and three, can they still get into the playoffs? I'm going to take this one if I may, Marcus. Yeah, go for it. Well, I think this year, what we are seeing with the Vulcans is what nearly happened last year. With all their close games, remember how many times last year, Marcus, they had the final drive of the game, went down the field, kicked a winning field goal with the last seconds of the game? You just can't keep doing that and having those close games and expect to keep winning in the NFL, not with how competitive it is. I mean, that's a lot of it is up to the head coach there. I mean, we saw last year um, with the big play he put on fourth down in the complete wrong position. Oh, yeah, the fourth and ones and fourth and shorts he went for were ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the, the fourth... The, the percentage of actually them getting them wasn't too bad, but it's the ones where when you don't make it in clutch positions, people are going to remember it. That's it, and I think this year also their defence doesn't appear to be too strong. Obviously, they've lost the likes of John Abraham, and of course they've been without Stephen Jackson for the last two games, and that for me has had possibly the biggest impact when you haven't got a great running back like that. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, Jackson... 
any real hitting power, you know. The, you can't put him up the tackles. He's got to run outside or do something flashy, like, um, like uh, your toss plays or your, your half-back screens. Something to use his speed, basically. Yeah, that's exactly it. You couldn't rely on him to get that third and two. Hence, you're stuck at sort of fourth and two, fourth and one from that. And you're sort of you're looking at people like Snelling, the the, the, um, the fullback. But again, they don't carry it. Fullbacks aren't designed to carry the ball a lot. They're, they're, they're designed to plough the way for the running back. Exactly. So my playoff verdict is it's not going to happen. Well, it was one of my weird picks earlier on. I think uh, either the um, the draft edition of the podcast or the preseason when I said that we said which team would have the biggest swing, and I said uh, I said Atlanta would. Not made the playoffs, and I'm 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 thinking that it's uh, probably going to go true. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely, mate. I I have to agree there. I'm only a quarter of the way through the season, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you who's going to the playoffs from the NFC to put myself out there and see whether I end up looking incredibly stupid or not. This is for justification as to why I don't think Atlanta are going to make the playoffs. Your wild cards are going to be San Francisco and Chicago. Then you have the four division winners, which are going to be Seattle from the NFC West, Detroit from the NFC North, Dallas from the NFC East, and New Orleans from the NFC South, which is also uh, Atlanta's division. So don't really think many people would probably argue with that at this stage, would they? That sounds pretty spot on. Thank you, sir. The NFC, the, the NFC has pretty much laid itself back this year. I mean, it's had quite a dominance over the AFC the last Hold three years your thoughts on that because we do actually have a question coming up which is very similar to I think what you were just about to go into so bear with us and hold that thought next up we have two questions from Big Dog Mickey Hogg who asks one can anyone stop the Broncos Marcus yes I think the Broncos aren't impervious Um, I just think the problem is at the moment I mean you look at um, how they've played there's been a few points put on them um, Von Miller's coming back though soon, so I'd like to see how the defence is reshifted around him. Yeah, I also covered this a bit in the blog this week, so Mickey, if you check that out as well, you'll see my thoughts around the Broncos, and in particular their main weakness at running back, and that when you're coming into clutch situations, we've just discussed about Stephen Jackson, when you don't have that sort of calibre running back in the backfield, any team as good as their quarterback is will struggle a little bit, if not completely, when it comes to crunch games. Yeah, they can't seem to decide, can they, whether they want... Reno, Hillman or Monte Ball to be the running back. They're just splitting everything near enough equal between the three backs. So you mean Monte... A system I can understand, but three? Monte Bobble. Yeah. <laughs> With his fumbles, bless him. So, mm. we'll move on. Question two. What have the Chiefs done to go from 2-14 and 14 to 4-0? and 0? Again, Marcus, I'll let you have this one, but don't just say they've won more games. <laughs> I'm not going to say they won more games. The reason is because Andy Reid has come in and his tutelage has absolutely changed that team round. There is a belief in that dressing room. Yeah, granted. You saw that from the way they went back into Philadelphia and just destroyed that team. I mean, that was a, a team defensively massive step up. Special teams, forget about it. That is some fire. McCluster, wow, that kid's something special. And with Smith now running the offence... It's not as smooth because you're still relying heavily on Charles because even though you've got Bo and McCluster as your wide receivers, I don't think there's still the 
there's still not quite the timing. I, I was watching some highlights, and there's a few still too many missed routes and stuff. But given to the end of the season, I think that's going to be cleared up. That's, that, that's a work in progress. Excellent. Right, well, we're going to fire through a couple more just purely because I'm cautious of time and. Unfortunately, we've not got the greatest connection, have we, tonight? So, and also looking at the time for you, Marcus. We move on now to a question from... Sunshine! Mike Austin. What do we think of the Bucks dropping Freeman for Glennon? Well, for the answer to that one, check out this week's blog. Lastly, before our terminology section, we have two questions from our old friend, EJ the Hood Elgin. Question one. Which rookie quarterback will have the best year? Marcus? Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's actually. I think it's going to be manual. I really do. I think that um, the Bills, Bills offense. I mean, to be fair, I loved his connection with Woods. Yeah. That was re- that was really great to see. I mean, what other quarterbacks did we have drafted this year? Obviously, we had Glennon, which we talked about at Tampa, which I don't think he really comes into the equation, does he? I think you've got to give him uh, a couple of years. Uh, tampering transition, a big one at that. Plus. Actually, thinking about it, Barkley was drafted this year, wasn't he? Yeah, but I believe he's playing backup somewhere. Um, I just had a thought. I'm wondering if he's back up in Philadelphia after Foles. Could possibly be in Philly. He could possibly. I don't know about Gino, though. I mean, he's already joined the uh, New York Jets back fumble club. Well, yeah, that's true. That is not so much an exclusive club these days, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But, yeah, so we'll move on from that, but hopefully... That answers that one for you, EJ. And also... Two. Why is the AFC outplaying the favoured NFC in the interconference matchups this year? So we'll come back to you on that one, Marcus. Ah, right. So back to this one. I, I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's one of the ones where the AFC just... There's a few surprise teams in the AFC that really sort of, sort of stick out for me. One, of course, the Chiefs. The Chiefs sort of coming into it is... Um, it's, it's actually really good to see. I'm really glad... They, they sort of pulled it out. The other ones really, I mean, Browns going two and two. I, I like that. I think that, that that's really great. Colts still doing what they do down south. Um, I'm surprised by the, the the Texans being two and two. To be fair, um, I thought they'd have. I mean, I thought they'd come into possibly the Seahawks, but they'd be three and one rather than rather than two and two. Losing last week didn't help. No, um, definitely not. But I do think that there's. I mean, NFC West and East really letting the sides down. I mean. Apart from Seattle in the West, it looks a shambles. Yeah, and the NFC East is just all over the shop, isn't it? With with the I Redskins and the Giants starting so badly. Yeah, exactly. And they're 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 atop the division, aren't they? I mean, I mean to be fair, no, I don't think any of us saw Giants zero and four, but Redskins one and three, Philly one and three. It's just bad. Yeah, <laughs> just having a quick look back at the uh, the drafted quarterbacks. Yeah, so we've got. Matt Barkley, who did indeed go to Philadelphia, go me. Well remembered. Um, Ryan Nassi went to the Giants. Wonder how long it would take before he takes over from Eli. Uh, Tyler Wilson, Landry Jones. Yeah, all names we're not really going to see this year. No. Yeah, fair enough. So we'll we'll finish off that bit there. Now, onto the terminology. This week, we've been asked to explain both an illegal shift and pass interference. With pass interference, also, how much contact is allowed without it being a penalty? Marcus, which one would you like to take? 
I'd say pass interference. Okay, go for it. Basically, pass interference is an elite contact in the process of making a catch. Uh, it can be either an offensive or defensive player, but when you block a catching opportunity for either either the opposing player, whether you're on offense going up for the catch and the defensive player stops you making a clean catch or vice versa, a defensive player going for the interception and an offensive player disabling his ability to do so, then it is deemed that it is interference and illegal. That's it. And just to differentiate there, the illegal contact element is when the quarterback still has the ball in hand behind the line of scrimmage and a defender makes contact with a receiver outside of the five yards that you're allowed from the line of scrimmage. And then, yes. as you say, pass interference then being... Yes, pass interference is, like I said, it's, when it's, it's in, in the, the air. making a catch. Yeah. So you have to be... You have to either have the ball sort of in flight towards your vicinity or sort of it's in the process of as you're going to make the catch, i.e. the ball's in your hands and they make contact before that ball is what they call secured. So therefore, it's disallowing you to make you... It sounds weird when you say it like that because it sounds like, well, isn't that just a, an advantage to the the catching player? And in this day and age of the league, it is, unfortunately. It is definitely in the, especially offensive players' advantage. That's it. And just to finish up there, around the areas or how much contact is allowed within the five yards from the line of scrimmage, you're allowed to bump your receiver so you can try and knock him off course, but you're still not allowed to hold him. Exactly. Within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage, you're allowed to make significant contact, disallowing from holding the face mask or helmet region, horse collar region, or you're not allowed to make contact below the knees. That would be considered a, 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 what they call it, um... Are you also not allowed to knock them off their feet? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you can't can't pancake them. Yeah. Okay, so then we have uh, the illegal shift. This is going to be a bit long-winded, so I'll try and crack through it as quickly as I can. An illegal shift is a player who is not in motion, but has not set, i.e. they're not standing still before the snap. Could also be if more than one player is in motion at the same time. can also be called if all 11 players have not been motionless for one second after a player has been in motion. There's a follow-up explanation there because you may be asking to yourself, well, that's all well and good, but what is motion? Motion is usually a sideways movement behind the line of scrimmage to get from one area to another. The penalty for an illegal shift is a loss of five yards and as this is a dead ball foul, there is no loss of down. And to get the penalty for pass interference, the pass interference when the ball is in the air, it's a spot of the foul, as in the ball then moves to where the spot of the foul was and the offence takes over with a first down from that particular spot. So that just about wraps it up from us. But before we go, I want to let you know that we will be doing a rundown of our top 10 football films, something we've talked about quite a lot, over the Christmas period and will therefore leave you with the sound from the official trailer of Undefeated. You can see the video of this in the show notes also. Until next time, football fans, stay safe and take care. Let's see here. Starting right guard shot, no longer in school. Starting wheel linebacker shot, no longer in school. 
two players fighting right in front of the coach, start and center arrested. Most coaches, that would be pretty much a career's worth of crap to deal with. I think that sums up the last two weeks for me. For almost 14 years, we never won a football game. Oh, my God in heaven. Chavis has serious anger issues. Stop. Stop. You go over there, Mike. Montreal is dealing with the death of his father. When he died, I knew I was on my own. Number 77, O.C. Brown. O.C.'s grades wasn't up like they supposed to be. He's going to lose an opportunity to go do something with his life. I want them to rise above the inner city knock. Man, open, he dropped it. And answers about to fall to 0-1. Anybody can be a champ. It takes a man to stand up when this thing hits you in the mouth, because it hurts. Everybody says, when you get these inner city kids down, they'll lay over and you'll beat them by 40. Not us. You got to believe in yourselves, fellas. Four of those guys have taken some beating oh. here. There's a Manassas player down. God, I hope we didn't just lose him. Two things mean most anything to him in the world is his father and football. And we got to make sure we're there for him. Money, whatever you're going through, I promise you to get back. This is an unbelievably good opportunity. You're down 20 nothing. You come back from that, now you're talking about something. 1-0-3 to go. Season comes to a close for somebody here tonight. You think football builds character. It does not. He's gonna throw it. He pulls it. Football reveals character. This is it.